Glory to God. We are, of course, in the book of Ephesians. And we are tonight taking up the prayer that we have been praying. One of uh, uh, several verses that we're praying for the, the week of prayer here. But this one is the one in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to pick up at verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, right here in these two verses, we have a lot to learn about prayer. He hasn't even gotten into the prayer yet, but we got a lot to learn about prayer just from these two verses. He says, first off, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, after I heard of your faith. Some prayers can only be made after people are a number of things. First off, I put in there was saved. There are some things you cannot pray for those who are unsaved. And then some folks, as soon as they get saved, can be prayed for in a certain way. Of, uh, certain way. There are some things you cannot pray for people that are saved unless they are also filled with the Holy Spirit. There are some things you cannot pray for people that are saved but not filled. There are also some things that you can, cannot pray for those who are saved but are not walking in faith. Cannot pray. And it's your job as the prayer to know. He says right here, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. In other words, he did not make these prayers for these people before he heard of their faith. Before he heard of their love. When he heard how they were walking in the love of God and how they were walking in the faith of God, then he set out to pray this way which tells us that he couldn't pray that if they weren't walking this way. Now, I put this in your outline. Knowing what a, what a believer is in position for should direct our prayer life. It is our job, folks, to know what people, believers, are in position for. Ignorance doesn't cut it. You as a believer need to know. There's a whole lot of Christians out there praying for other Christians in places in ways that they have no business doing. And that messes up a whole lot of people. First off, it messes up the person doing the praying because God's not coming through. It messes up the person they're telling, I'm praying for you and nothing's happening. And it also messes up because God can't get anything done because you're not praying according to His Word. You're praying according to feelings and what you want. Not a place for prayer. Paul, in writing to the Ephesian saints, Tells them, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. When you hear about faith in individuals, it can kick off the way you pray for them. But if you don't hear about that faith going on, then there ought to be, it ought to change the way that you're praying. You need to hear some things. You need to know some things. Because it's our job, folks, as believers, to be learning in the Word of God and, and, and that learning changing the way that we're walking. And if they don't want to learn, then you can't pray for them the way you might someone else. Can't do it. It's, just, it's, not, it's not something that you can do. Might want to. But see, that's not, when it, that's not the time for prayer. That's the time for exhortation. That's the time to get up into somebody's business, like Paul did very often. He got up into their business and say, hey, you're all not walking in, prayer, in uh, love. Get going. You know, you're all not walking in faith. You're walking in works. Now quit it. Because he knew, he, I can't pray for you the way I want to pray for you if you're walking in works and not walking in faith. I can't do what I, I, I want to be able to do. So get out of that and get going over here. He wants to put them in a position to receive this. And God wants us to be in a position to receive the things He has. And His Word exhorts us that way. But Paul is able to recognize, ah, they're in this position now. Ah, oh, since they're in this position, oh, we can pray this way. And they can get this and they can receive that. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, in your love for all the saints. 
do not cease to give thanks for you. There are some things we can do without ceasing. <laughs> there are some things we can do without ceasing. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, he says, pray without So we don't have to ever stop praying, do we? Giving thanks always. We don't ever have to stop giving thanks. We can always be giving thanks. Here, he does not cease to give thanks for you, Ephesians saints. He gives thanks for them all the time. I'm sure that there were some days, maybe some things had gone on. Maybe he wasn't so thankful. (laughs) But he still didn't stop. Gave thanks for them. Do not cease to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers. Sometimes we think when we're praying for other people, we've got to do, pray long and hard. He mentions. Yeah, I was mentioning you today. Now, see, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say that to somebody anymore because they'll be thinking, oh, you just mentioned me? Oh, is that all? I just got mentioned? But see, that's all you need to do. Because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Does a whole lot of good. And see, Paul knows what they're in position to receive. And when they're in position to receive it, he prays for them to to receive that thing. And he doesn't have to say a whole lot. But he makes mention of them in his prayers. So make sure as we are praying for people, what are they in position to receive? Are they in position to receive what it is that we're praying for them to receive. Because some people aren't in a position to receive, but we're praying for them to receive it. And that's a, that just demonstrates the ignorance on our part. It shows God, while they're not mature enough to walk in these things, I, I can't give them more because they're not walking in the revelation that they have. We need to walk in the revelation that we have and do what we're supposed to be doing. So if you notice that someone's not in walking, not walking in faith, don't be sitting there praying, oh, Father God, heal them. Get over there and exhort them. And if they won't hear your exhortation, well, then they're probably not going to get healed unless they listen. There are sometimes it's for, for prayer and sometimes it's for exhortation. Make sure that you, you do that. And then for ourselves, put yourself in position to receive some things. Paul realized some people are in a position to receive stuff and some people are not. So I'm sure that Jesus Christ himself realizes that some people are in a position to receive things. And if he's out there praying for us, then we ought to put ourselves in a position. But he's going to guide us. He's going to exhort us. He's going to help us to get us in a position. I need you need you right here. I want you to receive this. And, and this is where I need you to be. This is what I need you to be doing. This is how I need your mind to be. This is how I need your spirit to be. This is how I need your walk to be. Come on, get it, get it going. Get it right. Get in that position. Get in that place. And he's setting us up. He's getting us in that place because he wants us to receive a thing. He wants us to receive it. You know, it's just like in football. They all come into the huddle and, and they have a, a play. The purpose of the play is to put someone in position to receive the ball. You have a lot of people that are on the field for that play whose purpose is to decoy the defense to get the ball to one particular individual. There's a first one that we're doing. And they're supposed to go out slow or fast or go to this part and run this and, and turn here. And, and, the, and they have to read. Not all the plays are go out to the 15, go out 15 yards and turn. Some of them you have to read the defense. And so the receiver has to read the defense. The quarterback has to read the defense. But the purpose is to put them in a position to receive the ball. And so they, they execute the play. But then they get them out there and they react to the defense. And when the quarterback and the receiver are both on the same page, good things happen. When we get on the same page as God, good things happen. He's, he's coming in and he's telling us, now, now, study this. Be praying this. Be working this. He's getting us ready. He wants us to receive something. God is always wanting us to receive something. Always wanting us to receive something. What is He trying to put you in a position to receive? In the mornings, He's going to be leading you to be meditating on certain things or to be studying certain things or to be praying in a certain way. 
or he says, you know what, we've got to get you ready to, to have this over here. There's some, some uh, tapes, CDs I want you to be listening to because I need you to have that teaching. And you get an inclination in your spirit to go after and listen to this particular thing. If you don't yield to it, you're not in position. You, you, you won't be there. There are some people he puts in your life that just aggravate you. And God said, that's all right. They're there to, they're there to help you get in position. That's all. Glean that. I, I, we can't help them right now. They're, they're resistant. But you don't be. What do, you, what do you need to do in this? And it gets us in position. And when we do that, suddenly revelation comes. Inspiration comes. Understanding comes. Oh, I didn't see that. And God says, yeah, you got yourself in position. That's what I need you to do. God wants to get us in position for that. What are we getting in position for? Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So after, after we get in position, after we are made ready, after we are prepared to receive the thing that God has for us, then God puts it out there. Just because we're in position, though, doesn't mean we get it, does it? Going back to the football example, just because a guy followed the route and did the things, just because they're in position doesn't mean they automatically catch the ball. you still got to pull it off, don't you? It doesn't just happen. People don't just say, oh, you got in a good position and I just have to let you have it. Nope, they're still going to be fighting to keep that ball from you. Defense is still out there. The devil still wants to keep that from getting to you. Just because you got in position and you received the revelation, you received the, the thing that God had for you, that doesn't mean that the devil wants you to keep it. He's going to start jostling you around, start messing you up, trying to deflect the thing, trying to, to knock it out of your hands. Just as Jesus gave the parable of the birds who came and, and ate the seed, the sun that was scorched by the sun, all these, these kind of things. They all, they received the word. They received it. They were, they were there to get it, but see, the, they didn't do all that they should have done to be in a position to preserve that word. They received it. They were in a position to receive it, but they didn't do all that they needed to do to keep that. Same way that we've, we've all done it. How many times have we talked about this before? Where we've been woken up at nighttime and God gave us revelation on a thing. Oh, that's so good. Oh, yeah, that's just what I wanted. But I'll wait till the morning to write it because I'm really tired right now. I'm just, oh. Or we're driving somewhere and it's real important that we get there. And, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's what I've been wanting. I needed to know that. But I can't really write this down right now. I'll have to write this down later. We all know that uh, those, some of those things have been stolen from us and it kind of inspires us to make sure it's never stolen from us again. We were in position, we received it, but it was lost. After we got it, we fumbled it. And then it went away. Oh, but that makes us all the more sure, all the more hungry the next time it comes that that's not going to happen. Get yourself in position. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. So after you have done the things, you have put yourself in a position, after that, it's not automatic. You may receive. Just as that ball is coming down to that receiver on the football field, and you're watching from the grandstands of the TV land, and you see that ball coming, but you also see the defender coming after the receiver. Oh, he's going to hit him. Oh, I hope he can hold on. <laughs> you start, start to think of all those things. Mm. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That He may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The word here, knowledge of Him, is the, is the Greek word epignosis. It is a full knowledge, complete, thorough. God wants us to have that complete, thorough, total revelation, knowing Him. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, here's the thing. May give to you. In order for it to be given to me, this is real important for us to understand. You've got to get this part down. In order for it to be given to me, in order for anything in this world to be given to me, it must, or I must not have it. Because no one can give you something you already have. Cannot do it. So in order for it to be given to me, I must not have it. So Paul is praying that something would be given to these who are walking in faith and walking in love. They don't have it yet or he would not be praying for them to get it. Because Paul is certainly a wise enough man not to do that. We cannot be given what we already have. Can't be done. I already have it. That's already mine. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. How many times have we been in a situation where we needed wisdom? Greater wisdom than we have. How many times have we been in a place where I needed revelation on a thing? I don't have it. I need it. May give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. There, are, there is nothing in this world that I need to know that is not found in Him. Nothing. We got it all known. Partial knowledge is a, is a problem. Partial knowledge is a problem. And there's a whole lot of folks operating in partial knowledge of things. Case in point, there's all the people out in California right now. Just not everyone, but near them, near everyone. They're going out there and buying the iodine tablets because of the reactors over in uh, Japan. Because, you know, they might just send this cloud of radiation on over. And the news media. Now, I don't think they're ignorant, but boy, they want a story. And they're talking about these reactors and the terrible problem that's going to have. So I, I did some looking up on this thing because partial knowledge, will, it'll be a problem. There's people over in California right now worrying about radiation as a problem. And now we've even got a movement in this country to kill what reactors we have. Because look at this problem. You want to know the facts on the thing? The facts are that a greater than expected tragedy came upon these nuclear reactors. And you know what? They held up absolutely fine. There isn't a problem. They took a wave greater than they ever thought they would get and they didn't crack. They didn't fall apart. They held in, in place. They were designed they missed, of a magnitude of 7.0 and they withstood one of 9.0 and they didn't fall apart. They were to withstand a wave much smaller than the 24 feet or so that, that uh, came and hit them and they didn't float away like the houses and all the other things did. But what they don't tell you about is that the nuclear reactors are operating exactly the way they intended them to operate at this point in a disaster. There's nothing out of the ordinary going on. It is so incredible the ignorance that people are operating in right now in California buying the iodine tablets because they're reacting to oh, all this terrible stuff and they've released radiation in the air. The radiation they've released in the air is about the same amount of radiation that you would get if you went to the dentist and had an x-ray. It's about the same amount of radiation. How many of y'all saw the building blow up? Oh, that's terrible. Oh, look at this. The nuclear reactor is, is blowing up. No, it's not. What they don't tell you was, there was a, there's a housing that is designed to keep the rain out. It's not designed to keep anything in. It's designed to keep the rain out. And what they did was when they had the shutdown of the cooling, they had to do something to vent the steam. But if they vented the steam into the atmosphere, then they had to do a press release and they didn't want to get the negative publicity off of it. So what they did was they vented the steam into the housing. 
had a miscalculation and didn't realize that the hydrogen was going to react with another, I forget the other factor was, and that's what caused the explosion. It wasn't the reactor at all. It was the stuff that they vented. And that blew up a building that wasn't intended to hold anything at all. But they don't tell you all that. And then they make it sound like, well, the whole thing is going to melt down. How many of y'all heard that? It's all going to melt down. We're going to have Chernobyl. Uh-huh. Chernobyl is the standard by which every nuclear reactor is, sta- is measured by, right? Because this is a terrible reactor. Yeah, Chernobyl was built by who, folks? The Russians. Did you see what kind of cars he used to put out? Anybody buying Russian-made cars? You know why? <laughs> the reactors that are over in Japan were designed by the United States. They were built by the United States by United States architects and United States builders. It's our guys. What we're showing, what we're seeing out there is our guys built some good stuff. They did all right. Those things are 40 years old. They were going to be decommissioned in 2011, I heard, or 2010, something like that. But they decided to give them an extension of 10 more years because they've been working so well. And so if they have a meltdown, which is possible, a reactor can melt down. But do you know what safety parameters they have in place for that to happen? If everything fails on it, then the whole thing gets hot and begins to to melt down. It melts down into a block of concrete and steel. And it continues to go down into the concrete and steel because that's what it's designed to do. And then it stops somewhere in the middle of this concrete and steel. I forget how thick the thing is, but it's pretty thick. And it would get down inside there and it would be very radioactive. And they seal it up and then after it's done being radioactive, they get in there and they clean it up. But in the meantime, it's sealed. It's, it's going exactly the way it's supposed to go. The one over in Chernobyl, the Russians didn't put that much into it because they didn't care if it had a problem with the people around there. <laughs> we generally do care about all that. So this thing, even if it melts down, it will go on. People say, well, you'd have a nuclear bomb. No, you cannot have a nuclear bomb because there is a particular thing that is put in to the the rods that prevents a nuclear reaction. It's not possible for a nuclear reactor to turn into a nuclear bomb. (laughs) But they don't tell you these things. What the media ought to be doing is saying, wow, what a phenomenal source of power. Because despite being thrown with a 9.0, 8.9, 9.0, whatever it was, depending upon who you listen to, magnitude earthquake and a 24-foot wave, this thing did not fall apart. And it is doing exactly what it was designed to do in its fail-safe mode. It's doing just what it's supposed to do. But they don't tell you all that. Partial knowledge, folks, causes the problem. It causes people to do stupid things like go over and buy all the iodine off of the shelves in the local uh, stores for the people over in California because just maybe that stuff might come over. And then news people are actually getting on the radio or on the TV and in places and say, well, it never hurts to be prepared. Causing panic. panic. It's just the same thing when they caused the panic over in the Gulf. Oh, it's a terrible oil spill. Oh, it's going to be devastating. How devastating was it? Where is the oil? I mean, they were going out, where, where'd the oil go? Well, it's, it's under, under the water, lurking, and it's going to surface and cause. We're still waiting, aren't we? Because they're trying to find a crisis. Because in a crisis, you can get people to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. We need to have the full knowledge of things. The full knowledge. How many of y'all heard the report that they sent all the workers out of the plant? Yeah, you know Why? Did, they, did you also have the report they sent them all back in again? <laughs> it had nothing to do with radiation. Oh, they just give partial knowledge on things. Partial knowledge, folks, is the problem. Get out there and get the full knowledge on the thing. God wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him so that what you do is not based upon partial knowledge and you look like some kind of a fool going out there and buying iodine tablets because the radiation might come across the Pacific, which isn't even in existence anyway, might come on over there and cause you a problem. Just maybe. It's kind of like, how many of you remember when we were in school growing up? How many times they did the nuclear uh, uh, bomb things? 
And what was the thing you're supposed to do? Get under the desk. You tell me what in blazes getting underneath the desk is going to do if a nuclear bomb went off. Did you? We had to get under a desk. I don't know what getting underneath the desk was going to do. <laughs> oh, but they had you get underneath the desk. And, and I remember hearing people that got so scared and they were so afraid every time that they did it. What in the world is getting under a desk going to do? I mean, really, wherever the nuclear bomb is, go towards it. Just get it over with. <laughs> I mean, just get, get it all over and get it done with just go towards it and, uh, and that way you won't be you know just uh, a mess you'll just be done <laughs> that's a whole lot better oh don't get into this partial knowledge God knows partial knowledge will be a problem for us he wants us to have full knowledge get into the full knowledge of things he wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him now understand, walking in faith and love does not mean you will walk in wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. It means you're in a position to. It means that you are then in a position to. If you walk in the faith of Jesus Christ and you walk in the love that comes from Him, you are then in a position to receive the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. But it doesn't mean you will. It means you're in a position to. And Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm making mention of you when I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Not just wisdom, but revelation. He wants you to operate in wisdom and He wants you to operate in revelation that things can be revealed to you. Revelation is things being revealed to you that you have no way of knowing. It is revealed. God suddenly down in your spirit enlightens you because you're, you're in a place where you're going to hear it and receive it. <gasps> I see that. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Wow, but I, I, yeah, now that, you, now that you say, yeah, I can see that. Revelation, eyes just suddenly opened up wide. Wisdom, where you've presented with a challenge, presented with a situation, no idea what to do, and the Word of God works on the inside of you, and you say, oh, we just need to do this. We just need to go and do this thing over here. That's all we need to do. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I don't have it. If I had it, no one needs to pray for me to get it. And just because I walk in some wisdom doesn't mean there isn't more for me to be had. Just because I walk in some revelation doesn't mean there isn't more revelation for me to be had. The more wisdom and revelation I walk in, the more wisdom and revelation I realize I don't have. I realize how awesome our God is. I mean, just think about all those global warming people. Oh, we're doing such damage to the earth. Oh, we're doing such damage to the earth. The earth hiccups and throws a 24-foot wave in. Was that not awesome footage just to see all that? And that, oh, it's terrible. You're thinking, these are people's homes. These are whole villages. This is cars and all sorts of stuff. And I heard of, of all places that it hit, it hit the places where they're making the green cars. It hit the places where they the, the, hit. The, I'm not saying that God, that the, the earth. I'm not saying that. I don't quote me on. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying of all the places they hit, it didn't hit where they make the SUVs and the trucks. It hit where they're making the Leaf and the Prius. Of all places to hit. I mean, that's just. That's just. It just doesn't seem to be right, does it? I mean, because we think that we can influence this earth so much, we cannot. The earth hiccups a little bit and throws a 24-foot wave and knocks all this stuff out. And we think we can influence this thing. Oh, God must laugh at us. They think, they think they're having an effect. <laughs> they, they think they're having an effect upon this earth. Oh, man. No, no, no. No, folks. God was, was way too awesome when He made this earth. Way too awesome. Well, he goes on. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. There are eyes that we have to see and eyes 
that we have to understand. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. How many times have we gone out there and tried to talk to an atheist about God? And you start to tell them about the, the, the incredible awesomeness of the universe and the earth and the sun. And it's just like there's a cloud over here. It's just, just can't see it. Can't see it. Can't see the awesomeness of God. But what about the awesomeness of how, how we were created? The awesomeness of our brain. The awesomeness of the blood and how it flows. The uniqueness that so many billions of people and we all look different. How awesome it is that you can hear the voice of someone you know out of hundreds of people that you know. Not even see them and know, oh, that's so-and-so. Because of their voice. How many differences in a voice can there be? And yet you can pick them out immediately, can't you? Hmm. I mean, how, how do you come up with this many different combinations of people? That's right by itself. It's just awesome. Incredible. But you talk to an atheist and what is it? No, no, it's just chance. No, it just, you know, just happens. There's a cloud over them. They, they can't see it. Their eyes are, are not open. Now, that's an atheist. But how about if you talk to someone who's a, uh, a believer, but a non-faith walking believer? And you try and talk to them about having faith in God. What do you get? Oh, you, you, you can't get anywhere. How about talking to someone who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ heals today? What do you get? It's, there's nothing. And you try, oh, if only you could see this. I heard a person that they're not, not healed, you know, according to, you know, asking God to heal them. And they made a statement, one sentence statement. One sentence statement. I didn't meet this person. I just saw the, saw the thing. One sentence statement. And in that one sentence, I knew exactly where they were spiritually. You would too. If I read it out to you, you would know exactly where they were spiritually. And if you go up to that person and you try and talk to them, oh, it is the will of God that you, you get nothing. Well, you just can't know that. God may have some purpose for me being sick. God may have some purpose for Him delaying healing me. I just sit on back. I'm waiting for God. When He decides to move, I'll be here. That sounds so good, doesn't it? But oh, there's, there's no faith in that. And you, once you get enlightened and you find out from the Word of God that God is willing, that God is ready, you see that is oh no 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 look at it this way and you can't because their eyes are closed they're not enlightened the eyes of your understanding being enlightened apparently now understand he's praying this for who believers who are walking in faith and in love he is praying that. They may be give the, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You all better just come to the understanding right now. I am not as enlightened as I am going to be. I am going to be more enlightened than I am today. God has more out there for me. God is going to enlighten me more. God is going to put more in front of me. I am not done yet. Amen. I am going to be enlightened more. You keep that attitude. God is going to show you all kinds of stuff. But you get an attitude. Uh-uh. Nope, I got all the Holy Spirit I needed when I got born again. Okay. There you go. Yes, you know it all. Being enlightened. Being enlightened, folks, is that in the Greek, a perfect participle. It is referring to a past completed act having present results. The past completed act would be the giving of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. It has an effect. When I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of my understanding 
are enlightened more. It is a past completed act having continued present day results. The same tense is used of salvation. A past act that continues to have present results. The unique thing about the perfect participle is there is absolutely no translation for it in the English. It is a very unique uh, tense. Very unique. The Greek was just perfect for this. For God to be able to display past completed acts that have present day continuing ongoing results. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know that you may know the purpose of you being enlightened is for you to know some things. God wants you to know some things. He wants you to come into a greater knowledge of some things than you are knowing right now. But He needs your eyes to be enlightened. And if we ever get to those places, we ever get to those, those things where suddenly, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I got all that I need on that one. I understand faith. I got, I got that. Don't tell me about faith. I understand faith. Oh, dear Lord. That just shows us that we don't know, understand it at all. No, don't tell me about grace. I know grace. I got grace down. Don't you tell me about grace. I got, got it down. You oh, God wants us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Because partial knowledge on anything hinders us. The sad part is we don't know it. We don't know it until we get out of it. We should always be looking to expand what we know. Always. Always. I am careful about the people that I learn from because I refuse to subject myself to a learning position with people who are know-it-alls. If I do, I will pick up that attitude of, well, I got it all down. I want to learn from people who themselves continually learn. Who themselves have an attitude that says, there is more of God to be learned. There is more that God has out there. And I'm only tapping into a little bit of it. Oh, I need to, to find out some more. Those are the people I want to learn from. Because they're learning themselves. They're out there learning themselves. To get a hold of a person who's got the idea, well, I know it all. No one else knows as much as I do on this and I'm just going to go out there and, and, uh, and teach you and you better just receive it and don't be questioning me and don't be uh, asking questions. And Oh, that's ridiculous. That's not what we're here to do. I learn from people who are learning themselves. You can make that a qualification of the people that you get a hold of, but that's a qualification for me. The people... They're the influence of my life. The influencers, the ones who, who are, just hold a, a special place to influence me like no one else are people who are constantly learning. That God is continually to tell them things and show them things. These are the ones I want to learn from. People who have a different attitude. Like they're, they're, they're shut down. Their eyes are not continually being enlightened. I don't need to hear from them. Because I don't want to pick up that attitude. Well, I know all that there is to be known about that. Mm -mm. Nope. It's a past completed act having present results. All right. God has given to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. But what He has given me is an ongoing gift. And I need to continue to yield, to continue to pull from that. What does the spirit of wisdom have to, to show me today? What does the spirit of revelation have to reveal to me today? Because if I have this attitude, the eyes of my understanding are going to be constantly enlightened. I'm going to be learning more and more because he's going to keep, all right, now that you got that revelation, now here's this. Take this one. Oh, wow, that blows my mind. And I begin to process that and, and soak into that a little bit. And then God says, all right, here's, now you're ready for another one. Because now you got that one down and you process that. Now I can give you something else. But if he gave you those great revelations all at once, it'd blow your doors off. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, 
What do you, you want to know what ends up? You need a foundation. And each area of revelation he gives you is a foundation. It's a foundation. I heard someone one time use the example of a battleship. How to, I don't know if you've ever had a tour of a battleship. I have not had a tour outside of my mind. <laughs> I've just kind of mentally taken a tour of them or, you know, looked at some things they have. I, someday, someday I'll go over to the battleship in New Jersey and take a tour of that one. I know that's, that's uh, nice and close by and, and all that. But the, the guns, these huge guns that they put on the battleships, I think I've talked to you about them before, but these guns are capable of shooting a shell the weight of a Volkswagen. No Volkswagen bug. That kind of a weight. Able to, sh- the, the USS Missouri, a Missouri class battleship, and we have surpassed the Missouri class battleship. We now have battleships that are greater than the Missouri class battleship. But that's what they were, you know, World War II, the Missouri class battleship was the standard. This was the, the, the cutting edge. The Missouri class battleship, one of its guns could fire a shell, the weight of a Volkswagen bug, a distance of 25 miles and hit a football field. Now, we can hit the zero on the 10-yard line. (laughs) Forget the football field. We can hit the zero on a 10-yard line, on the 10-yard line. That's even better, huh? But these things could do that. And... I mean, that was, it took, it takes quite a force to take a Volkswagen and propel it 25 miles. Imagine, think back in the revolution, the revolution. In the revolution, the Navy would be parked offside the, the forts and the cities and they would bombard from out there. Now, you can't even see it. Missouri class battleship, you can't even see it. It's out there somewhere, but it's shooting stuff and hitting us. But it's way out there. We can't even see where the thing is, but it's hitting us. And we can get smacked by this thing and, oh, can't even see it. And now, 25 miles? Hundreds of miles. Hundreds of miles. And hit the zero on a football field. That's scary accuracy. That's just, I mean, that is, that is just scary. We all saw the Gulf War videos, you know, they, they showed the building. Right down the center. Right, right down the center of the building. Blow the whole building up. Everything else is okay. Wow. It's, but in order for those, those guns to propel that Volkswagen weight shell 25 miles and the force that was needed... They're not, they're, out in the, they're not grounded. They're out in the ocean. And when you fired those things, you had to be careful. Because if you fired too many from one side, you could capsize the boat. Because understand that it, you know the laws of physics, if you propel something this way, there is an equal and opposite reaction this way. That's just how it is. So if you imagine the force that is propelling the shell this way and the boat this way, if you were going at so many knots and you were firing straight ahead, it would stop, enough of them would stop the boat from moving. But if you were shooting them from your side, you know, you got to be careful that you don't capsize the boat because you could do that apparently. But just think of the force that was involved. And they said what they had to do with these guns was the plates that were needed to reinforce the gun and tie it to the boat were huge. And plate after plate. And these guns are, are tied in to these plates and plates and plates to reinforce them so that the gun itself was not ripped out of the boat. Which would be a problem. They use this as an example. Because they said the greater the force, the more foundation is needed. The reinforcement that a Missouri-class battleship needs to fire its guns was far greater than the USS Constitution or any of the the battleships that uh, Britain had 
or any of the other things that were, that were out there. They, they needed to have reinforced their things as well. But how much more were those? And so God knows that in order for the greater revelations to sit in the inside of you and not tear you apart, He needs to establish foundation. And so He gives the other revelations and you process those and you spend time on those and you get the understanding of those things. You have your eyes opened, enlightened. Oh, I understand this. Oh, this is good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then God says, all right, good. We're getting a stronger foundation. Now, have this one. But He knows I can't give them the other ones yet. They're not ready. If I gave them those, we'd rip the foundation right off the, right off the boat. Gone. But He wants to. He wants to give them to you. But He needs you to process the revelations you have. And use it. Make it become foundation for you. All the while, being hungry for God. Hungry to walk in faith. Hungry to walk in love. Hungry for God to say, quit doing that. Get a, Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand. Oh, getting that foundation down. And when God says, do you see what the Word of God says? Oh, I do see that. Will you do it? Yes, I will do it. Foundation. I'm laying foundation. And God all the while is able to give more and more and more. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened that I may know that I may know the purpose of all this is for us to know things. And there are three things He wants us to know. The three what's. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. And what this means is, it is His calling for you. That we may know what is the hope, what is the future of the calling that He has put on me. That's the first thing. The purpose of all this, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of my understanding, being enlightened. All that. So that first off, I may know the hope of His calling. How many people are out there? Oh, I need to know what my calling is. Oh, I need to know what what God wants me to do. And they are not spending time to find out what they went on before this. That I may, that He may give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I first off, before I can ever endeavor into the area of what is His calling for me, I've got to delve into what is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And how does the spirit of wisdom and revelation give wisdom and revelation to me? How do I stay open to that? How do I make sure I don't close myself down to it? The spirit of wisdom or revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of my understanding being enlightened by the giving of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That I may know what is the hope of His calling or His calling for me. That's the first thing. That I may know what the hope of His calling is for me. Paul understood that it's so important that you know it. Now, again, we're talking about people that are born again, that are walking in faith and walking in love. And now he says, now we're at the point where we can get the foundation into you so that you can know what the hope of your calling is. How many people want to get born again and find out what the calling of their life is at? That you may know. Again, we see the word may. Which means that just because you're a born-again believer, just because you're actively walking in faith, and just because you're walking in love towards people all around you, does not mean you automatically know what the hope of your calling is that He has given to you. It doesn't come automatically. That you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now you read this. I tell you, I was I was reading this, and I'm just get, I'm getting a different view of this thing. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? What are the riches of the glory of whose inheritance? Whose inheritance is it? It's His calling for us, but it's His inheritance. Now the phrase there in the saints is locked is locative of spear. It means this inheritance is locked within the sphere of 
the saints. The saints immediately locks out the world. It is the believers. That Jesus Christ has an inheritance in us. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance? Where? In the saints. In the saints. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? Now, how many times have we thought about the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that He has given us and think that He got the raw end of the deal? Come on, how many times do we think that? He got the raw end of the deal. We got the better end of this deal. And we can even go around and begin to think about that. Um, I mean, he, he got me, but I'm not much. What he's telling you here is, what Paul is telling you is, your eyes need to be opened. That first off, you need to know what the call, his calling is on you. And secondly, you, know, you need to know how great an inheritance Jesus Christ gets out of his church. You need to understand that Jesus Christ in the sphere of the church, the believers, the saints, has one phenomenal inheritance, so much so that apparently He was able to go out, Jesus Christ taught us, that he, the treasure, the pearl of great price, why is He willing to pay it? Because there's a greater reward. You don't buy a pearl of great price to lose money. You don't go and buy a whole area of land to dig up a treasure and lose money. You do it for profit, for gain. So we need to understand to stop talking the church of Jesus Christ down and stop talking ourselves down. That when Jesus Christ set up this deal, He wasn't saying, well, they got the better end of this deal. Paul is saying, you need to understand. You need to have your eyes enlightened. You need to have your eyes opened up to understand that He has a calling for you and what it is. And secondly, that you have a place in the body of Christ. That calling puts you in a place in the body of Christ in that He Himself has a phenomenal inheritance in us. Which puts more emphasis on the importance of our calling. Two nose down, one to go. Two what's down, one to go. And that you may, you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And thirdly, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? This is the third what? What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. So first off, see the progression that's here. First off, the calling that He has put on us in the body of Christ, in the church. Secondly, the phenomenal inheritance that He has in the church, in the sphere of the saints, that phenomenal inheritance. And third, what exceeding greatness of His power that works toward us, the believers according to the working of His mighty power. Of His mighty power. What kind of mighty power? Which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. So God the Father has got this phenomenal plan this great inheritance he's going to have in the saints. And in order to accomplish it, he has set out his exceeding power to work in us to accomplish that great inheritance for his son through us. Which he worked in Christ when he, who's he? God the Father. Raised him, Jesus Christ, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also that which is to come. So if you want to know what kind of power we're talking about 
just as an example. Go back and think about that mighty power that took Jesus from the place of death and raised Him back to life, putting Him in a resurrected body and had Him walk down here on the face of the earth. And then He went and took that same Jesus and put Him above all power. All of it. Far above all principality and power. Far above all principality. Not a little bit. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Anything left out? Just in case. And every name that is named. Not only in this age. But all, but the one that's going to come, that one too. That one too. In one sweeping demonstration of power. He raised up, in an instant, He raised up Jesus and He accomplished all of that. Like that. And snap of a finger. Instantly, He did. That's the kind of power we're talking about. That's the kind of power we're talking about. That's the kind of power that He's working in us to bring about a phenomenal inheritance for His Son through us. And He's given us a specific call in order to get it done. What a God. How many remember those, those uh, old diehard commercials? You remember that? They put the, the car out in the football stadium in the middle in the cold and they bury it in snow and ice and all sorts of stuff and, and then they go out after how many months? And they'd go out there and would your car start? This one did and they started up and inside you see a diehard. Because <laughs> you see cold is an enemy to battery. And if you ever want to find this out, if you ever have anything in your car that sits in your car and yet you need like a flashlight or something that runs and if you turn it on in your car and it's cold, it runs very slowly. Now all you got to do is take that thing and put it on your radiator, your dashboard where your heater is. Give it about two or three minutes and then pick it up and it'll run like a top. Because cold is an enemy. And they were trying to show you, if it can start your car here, imagine what it can do in your driveway. <laughs> what God is saying is, if I could do that then, imagine what I can do in your life. <laughs> oh, I mean, if I could do that with Jesus, with all the forces of hell against him, with all the things that were there, if I could do that with him, and in one fell swoop, not only raise him from, from the dead, bring him to life, but set him above all principality and power and might and dominion in this age and the one to come. Above all names, everyone that is named or will be named. And not just above, but far above. And that's what I can do for you. Because on the basis of what I did with him, is the measuring stick for what I will do for you. Oh, that's what Paul is telling us. Now, I grabbed the, uh, the Weiss translation for this. He translates it this way, this way. And what is the superabounding greatness of His inherent power to us who are believing ones as measured by the operative energy of the manifested strength of His might, which might was operative in the Christ when he raised him out from among the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we have. Understand, the first off our calling, Jesus is the author of it. He is the author of the calling. God the Father has put about a plan. And Jesus, who we're going to find out the head of the church, has dictated to all the different body parts what they're going to be doing. But understand that the church, Jesus is not being shortchanged. Understand how good it is for Jesus. Because we need to go about this earth not thinking, oh, we're nothing. Oh, we're barely getting anything for Him at all. No, it's good for Him too. And how great is God's power to fulfill it. What is our calling? How good it is for Jesus. And how great is God's power 
to fulfill it. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. I'm going to read that again. Verse 22. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head, gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is what? His body. Where are things put under? Feet. Which is under the body. (laughs) The head is over the body. But the body is over the feet. Which means the things that are under His feet are under under the body. So how many things are under the body? All things. (laughs) All things are under the body. All of them. (laughs) To the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him. The body is the fullness of Him, folks, who fills all in all. Now understand this. The church is referred to as the body and the bride. Which are we? You cannot be the body of Christ if you are the body, if you are the bride of Christ. Because you can't marry your body. Right? So which are we? We're either the bride or the body. Which one you want to be? Bride. <laughs> well, see, it's just, it's just this way. It's all a matter of what, what the perspective is. When he refer, when the church is referred to as the body, it's, it's referring to its function. The first area is a function. Referring to the body is a function. When you're looking at how the church is to function in this world, we are His body. When He talks about a bride, that is position. So there's two functions we have as a church. One is to be out there working for our function, and the other is our position. Position and function. Functionally, we are His body. Positionally, we are His bride. That's why sometimes we are referred to as she and sometimes we are referred to as he. When Paul refers to the church as he in Thessalonians, he's referring to its function. Because we are what hinders. That's our function, not our position. We function as a hindrance. But positionally, when we're in heaven, we are the bride. The Father already worked through the head. Now in the same way, He works through the body. Same way He's saying, I work through the head, I work through you, the body. And not just for your benefit, it's for the benefit of the Son. His inheritance, His glory. He's getting glory out of this inheritance. Remember when we were going through fruitfulness? Being fruitful? Our fruit produced glory for Him. And this is another way of, of looking at it here in Ephesians. The Father has already worked through the head. Now in the same way, He works through the body. So as you're praying this prayer for yourself, keep these things in mind. This is what you're praying. This, this, is, this is what these words mean. This is what Paul is looking at in here. Some of these things are past acts and some of them are ongoing effects. Understand what each one is. Keep yourself in a position to be receiving what He wants us to receive. Don't get shut down. Don't get closed. Stay open. Stay willing to learn. Partial understanding is a hindrance. Partial knowledge is a problem. God wants you to have full knowledge in the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Glory to God. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. We thank You for such a great prayer put into the Word of God that we can understand what's going on here. And we don't need to pray this with, uh, with such fervency for hours and hours. Uh, we can just make mention of it every, every now and then. Just get on there. Father God, I thank You this is going on. I thank You that past, past completed act is having a present-day effect. 
But Father, help us to also understand that in our prayers for other people, we must be mindful of what position they are in. And that our prayers need not to be based out of feeling and emotion, but out of facts that come from Your Word. Are they ready for this? Are they in position for this? And if not, then from Your Word we should know what to say and how to exhort and how to teach and how to change, to train them up, steer them in the right direction. Father, we thank You for it. We give You the praise and the glory for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.